decentralized healthcare and biosensing with Winos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to join Winos decentralized healthcare and biosensing discussion. I'm Ryan, the webinar host today. Because we have international attendees here, I would like to wish you everyone a nice morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome. Winos is a biotech company focusing on promoting decentralized healthcare and biosensing. So we would like to offer a platform to connect experts and various players who share the same vision and currently working in the decentralized healthcare or biosensing space through our live webinars and discussions. So we endeavor to share the latest developments in the field and create value for you, our business partners, and our clients, and to create awareness and business opportunities to accelerate the development of the decentralized healthcare and biosensing ecosystem. So today we are very excited to have Dr. Domingo. Uh, she is the founder and director at Blaze Creek Animal Diagnostic Center to be our speaker. She will bring us very interesting, insightful, and inspiring sharing on the topic of novel lab-based testing assays for viral pathogens of swan and poultry. Uh, before we start, allow me to have a brief introduction of Dr. Domingo. Dr. Domingo has over 40 years of experience in veterinary science and medicine. She is a full-plated professor of the Central Luzon State University and licensed veterinarian and a public health scientist. She is specialized in molecular diagnostics, especially with land-based testing assays for pathogens of livestock, poultry, ruminants, and those with public health importance. So today, she will share her insights on this. Let's welcome Dr. Domingo. Hello. Uh, I would like to share my screen, my uh, slide. Okay. Okay, so hello to everyone. So I am the founder of this uh, technology enterprise called Blitzkrieg Animal Diagnostic Center. And, uh, well, I had, uh, I founded this uh, enterprise because Majority of my projects that are funded by the government and from FAO and uh, AZR uh, dealt with uh, the development of detection kits for viral uh, swine and poultry infections. So... Okay, just as an introduction, there are economically important animal diseases that affect the food security of considerable number of countries. These transboundary animal diseases can easily spread to other countries regardless of national borders and reach epidemic proportions where control and management, including exclusion, requires cooperation between several countries. Animal diseases have the potential to reduce quantity and quality of food, such as meat and milk, livestock products such as hides, skins, and fibers and animal power, such as traction and transport. The terms exotic disease and transboundary animal diseases are often used interchangeably, though all transboundary diseases are of exotic 
origin, all exotic diseases are not included in the transboundary animal disease listing. So many emerging infections or infectious diseases or EIDs, as we shorten it, are also transboundary diseases. Now, this slide shows the broad continental distribution of 17 transboundary animal diseases. This figure displays a general and broad continental distribution of each disease. Due to the potential for these diseases to easily cross borders, the geographic distribution is divided into broad regions rather than being country-specific. So transboundary swine diseases of major concern include African swine fever, classical swine fever or hog cholera, porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome or PRRS, FMD, and more recently, the surge of porcine epidemic diarrhea, especially in the the not only the, in the Asian, but also in uh, temperate countries. Now, the causation of an infectious disease can be explained using the traditional model of infectious uh, uh, disease causation, known as the epidemiologic triad. This model consists of an external agent, a host, and an environment wherein the host and agent are brought together to cause the disease to occur in the host. So disease monitoring and surveillance is a very important tool to be established uh, in every commercial farm. And according to Henderson, Surveillance serves as the brain and nervous system of programs to prevent and control diseases. So animal health surveillance is defined as the ongoing systematic collection, collation, analysis, and interpretation of data and dissemination of information to those who need to know so that action can be taken. Disease monitoring aims to demonstrate freedom from diseases, achieve early detection of disease, verify effectiveness and efficiency of disease control programs, and measure the level of the disease. The components of an effective disease surveillance system includes disease monitoring, intervention plan, and threshold for action. For a successful disease control, quick implementation of disease surveillance is necessary. This means early detection must be in place followed by rapid response to mitigate the disease. So cell culture, this slide shows the evolution of viral detection techniques. Cell culture and electron microscopy techniques are, that are now commonly applied in the direct testing for and detection of viruses were discovered in the mid 20th century. Then different serological and immunoassays was first were, were developed. And uh, this were first reported in 1970. Uh, radio immunoassay was applied for the detection of the Australia, an Australia antigen, later called hepatitis B virus surface antigen. PCR was discovered in the 1980s and first reported in virus detection in 1988 for acquired immune deficiency syndrome detection. Later, many molecular techniques, including amplification and non-amplification-based techniques, were reported in virus detection. The concept of nanotechnology was envisioned as early as 1959 by the renowned physicist Richard Feynman. However, 
nanotechnology was only applied to virus detection in 1997 when gold nanoparticles were employed for the detection of single copy human papilloma virus. Nanotechnology has recently come to, re to represent one of the most outstanding trends in virus detection and diagnosis via the wide variety of assays described in the review. Now in this slide, it shows that the World Health Organization made a guideline for an ideal diagnostic test, and this is in the form of an acrostic called ASSURED. A stands for affordable, S sensitive, S specific, U user friendly, R robust and rapid, E equipment free, and D deliverable to the end user. And we can see here that there is a table uh, that shows the comparison between RT-LAMP and RT-PCR and all of the guidelines in the WHO are answered by RT-LAMP. So what is LAMP? Okay, so here uh, it, is, it stands for loop-mediated isothermal amplification where the nucleic acid of the target gene is being amplified, relying on autocycling strand displacement of the DNA or the cDNA. And there are two phases, the initial phase and the lamp cycling or cyclic amplification. Now, RT-LAMP is a fast, easy, simple, affordable, highly sensitive and efficient diagnostic tool and it has potential application in the field or bedside diagnosis of diseases. And according to the OIE, it's also recommended as an alternative technique to reverse transcription PCR. So here my project used this nucleic acid-based protocol called RT-LAMP to screen selected pathogens causing PED or porcine epidemic diarrhea, PRRS, CSF, NDB. And well, this is not included in the topic, but I also developed an RT-LAMP for Pasiola Catepsin B, which is a pre-patent detection tool for Pasiolosis in ruminants. So here, uh, Let's start or let me describe first what I did for RT-LAMP. So here we developed two formats for RT-LAMP, the wet and the dry formats. So in this slide, we can visualize the evaluation or interpretation of the LAMP results. For the wet format, it uses cyber green and the positive uh, is read as showing the green fluorescence or color, while the negative shows no change of color at all. For the dry, the uh, positive reading is a sky blue color, but for the negative, it uh, ranges from uh, dark blue, purple to uh, rose wine or uh, pink red no, color. So all of these three colors are negative. Okay, now how does the dry format uh, uh, prepare? Usually the RT-LAMP premix is uh, placed on the inner cover lid of the PCR tube and allowed to dry. And it is only rehydrated when you are ready to use it for testing. So the gap here to be answered is to develop a test kit that can differentiate infected from vaccinated animals or DIVA. So this is another feature of the RT lamp that we developed. It has a DIVA feature and it has a 
it is a powerful tool for accurately monitoring and surveying of animal diseases. Now, here, uh, why do we have to incorporate a DIVA feature in our lamp assays? Now, there is what we call vaccine shedding, which is a rare release of the vaccinal virus after administering a live virus or live attenuated virus vaccine. So it's a mechanism for virus transmission, especially to animals, susceptible animals that were not vaccinated yet. So this live attenuated vaccine virus can theoretically infect naive plaques from viral shedding. So the route of infection usually is through contact with the feces, ocular, and nasal mucus of vaccinated animals or birds. So the vaccine virus shedding in stool occurs up to 28 days. But shedding is not observed when the vaccines used are the killed ones, no? or those made using only isolated proteins such as recombinase vaccines. So let me uh, describe the first test kit that we developed for classical swine fever that amplifies the E2 target gene. So this slide shows the pairwise distances of the Philippine CSF uh, viral isolate uh, from the C-strain vaccinal virus. And the higher the value of the pairwise distance, the farther the relatedness. So with this information, we were able to design primers specific only to the field isolate that came from unvaccinated but CSF-sick pigs. So in this slide, it, uh, this shows the analytical specificity of the CSF wet RT lamp with DIVA pictures. And we can see that for the uh, live attenuated vaccinal viruses, the RT lamp was not able to amplify the E2 in this uh, vaccinal viruses. And we can see that for the tubes that show the green fluorescence, these are whole blood extracts from field samples that came from CSF sick animals or pigs that were not vaccinated. So this slide shows the uh, the analytical sensitivity of the wet RT lamp with DIVA features for CSF showing the lowest detection limit, which is at 10 to the negative 5, because we can see that at lane G or lane, yeah, lane G, uh, we, there are no multiple bonds, uh, demonstrated already. So that is, so the detection, the lowest detection limit is at lane F, you know, which is 10 to the negative 5. Now in this slide, uh, this shows the analytical specificity of the dry. So a while ago, I was describing the wet format. Now this one is the dry format for the CSF lamp with DIVA features. So again, we can see that uh, the vaccinal viruses were not amplified. So only the sample one and two uh, were amplified, showing the sky blue color. No? So that is the positive uh, color of the uh, uh, samples. But for the negative, it uh, has the uh, purple color. Now, this slide shows the analytical sensitivity 
of uh, the dry CSF lamp with deeper features. And again, uh, we can see here that at uh, 10 to the negative 6, this is the lowest detection limit uh, that show the sky blue color of the positive reading. So this slide uh, shows the, that among the pigs uh, examined in the slaughterhouses, there is lower positivity rate when lamp with the DIVA feature are used as compared to the ordinary lamp primers that amplify the conserved target gene of the CSF virus. This observation holds true to tissue samples like tonsils, lungs, and spleen. Now, this is how the test kit looks like after assembling it out of the laboratory workflow that was optimized. Next is the PRRS RT-LAMP assay that amplifies the N2 target gene of the virus. This slide shows, again, the pairwise distances between the live attenuated vaccinal virus and the Philippine PRRS field isolate from sick but non-vaccinated pigs. It was observed that the PRRS in our country belongs to the North American strain. However, there were mutations that led to a difference between the vaccinal virus and the field isolate. So from here, we designed lamp primers that have DIVA features. In this slide, the analytical specificity of the web PRRS lamp with DIVA feature shows that the uh, all of the vaccinal viruses, particularly the Engelbach, which is the live attenuated uh, North American vaccine, uh, they were, was not amplified by the lamp assay. From the uh, samples, the three samples uh, of blood taken from the field, only sample one and two showed positive. Now this slide shows the analytical specificity again, now using the dry format. And we can see that the, uh, from all of the vaccinal viruses, vaccinal viruses, they were not amplified by the DIVA primers. And among the three blood samples taken from the field, only the S1 showed positive. In this slide, uh, you can see that uh, the lowest detection limit of the dry uh, format for the PRRS lamp with DIVA features was at 10 to the negative 6. Now, upon computing, or comparing rather, upon comparing the positivity rate of RT-PCR wet and dry RT-lamps with DIVA uh, primers using tissues such as tonsils, spleen, and lungs, it was observed that the spleen had the lowest positivity rate among the three assays. While the best tissue sample for PRRS is the tonsil across the three test assays. However, the dry format was the most sensitive, showing the highest positivity rate across all tissues and test assays. Now, this is for the tissues. A while ago, I presented uh, the result of the dry format using the blood. Okay, so this one uh, shows the positivity rate using tissues. Now, this is the appearance of the test kit assembled from the laboratory workflow of the RT lamp for PRRS. 
Next is the RP lamp for Newcastle disease that amplifies the F gene. Similarly, the primers also were designed uh, with DIVA features. So the percentage of total nucleotide variations among the F gene of the field isolates from that of the vaccinal virus, such as Lasota, which is a live attenuated and recombinant vaccine, were high. And so this prompted us to design DIVA, uh, DIVA primers. So even in the, even in the phylogenetic tree, the field isolates do not belong to the same cluster as that of the Lasota. Now, in this slide, this shows the analytical specificity of the NDBRT lamp with DIVA primers. And you can see that from the vaccinal viruses that are non-target, uh, that represent the non-target genes such as ILT, no? infectious laryngotrochitis, infectious bronchitis, and the Lasota, uh, the uh, NDBRT lamp uh, was not able to amplify them, but for the samples one and two, uh, amplification showed uh, positive green fluorescence. That is for the wet. And for the dry lamp, we can see that for the fields, there were this same or similar field samples uh, in the wet showed positive uh, seen as in the color of sky blue. But for the Lasota, ILT, and IV vaccinal viruses, uh, these were negative because of the dark blue color. Now in this slide, the RT lamp was evaluated for its ability to detect the virus, uh, its ability to rather to, yeah, to detect the virus at the lowest serial dilution. And we can see that for the width, it's at 10 to the negative 3. For the dry, it's 10 to the negative 2. However, uh, the difference is not statistically significant. Now, in this slide, this shows the, uh, the, what's this, the, Ability to detect the RT lamp's ability to detect the virus in the oropharyngeal and cloacal swabs of vaccinated and non-vaccinated sick chickens. It is observed that the DIVA primers did not amplify the virus from the swabs taken from the vaccinated birds. This slide shows the positivity rate of prevalence of the RT lamp with DIVA feature on cloacal and tracheal swabs of NDB-infected backyard and game fowls. It is observed that the DIVA features or DIVA primers rather were able to detect those birds that were not vaccinated from vaccinated. So for instance, among the NDB-positive game fowls, 12.4% or 15 out of 121 were not vaccinated, whereas 82% or 106 out of 121 were vaccinated. So this means that the Lasota vaccine was not effective in protecting the birds from the infection. And we have uh, observed this. The birds will be protected from the... Uh, uh, virulent, no? the velogenic Newcastle disease virus if you vaccinate two times. So if you only vaccinate once, that will not protect the birds. So this is the appearance of the test kit assembled from the laboratory workflow of the RT lamp for NDB. Next, is the RT lamp for porcine epidemic diarrhea that amplifies the S gene. However, the lamp assay here uh, does not have DIVA primers. 
So in this slide, the analytical specificity of the wet RT lamp did not amplify the non-target genes such as the Salmonella cholera suis, CSF virus, and Cryptosporidium. Only the fecal uh, samples taken from the field florist uh, in green and showed multiple bands in the gel image. Now here, the lowest detection limit of the PED wet RT lamp was 10 to the negative 7. And in here, we can see that for the real time, it shows that the nucleic acid amplification started at template concentration of 0 0.3 or 330 uh, nanograms per microlit at 4.97 uh, cycle, uh, qualitative cycles. And the uh, lowest PED virus concentration detected was at 0 0.00031 nanograms per microlit or at 10 to na 6, negative 6 dilution. Okay. So in this slide, uh, we can see that the diagnostic validation of the RT lamp of the uh, NDD, uh, rather PED with RT, PCR or reverse transcription PCR, and we can see that for the uh, RT lamp uh, detecting the PED virus, the sensitivity is 100%, while the specificity is 63.64%. Uh, if you can, if you will um, explain why the specificity is very low, it's because um, the uh, RT PCR was not able to, uh, let's say, was not able to um, compare, was not comparable with that of the RT lamp. Remember that the RT lamp is more sensitive because of the three pairs of primers as compared to the RT-PCR that only uses one pair of primer. So in this slide, we can see that the PED prevalence based on age using the RT-LAMP kit we're in, we can see that all of the ages starting from nursing up to the finishing, all of them were positive for PED and this was detected by the RT-LAMP kit. Now, this slide shows the versatility of the RT lamp for PED because all types of samples can be used for detecting the PED virus. No? It could be fecal swabs or even the intestines, the interior lining of feed sacs. We all did this just to check for the versatility of the, of the lamp assay for PED. Also, using raw feed ingredients, floor swabbings, and farrowing crate swabbings. Now, this is the appearance of the... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I think the caption is, uh, is wrong. It should be PED. No? PED Artilant Test Kit. Uh, and it should not be, I'm sorry, this is a typographical, I was not able to correct this. This should be the PD, how the PT Artilant test kit looks like after assembling it from the laboratory workflow of the Artilant. Okay, now we go to the last uh, test kit that we also developed. It's for African swine fever using the P72 target gene. Now, actually, this one is a combination of uh, lamp primers using three pairs of primers for amplification. And after that, we use the gold nanoparticles with the probe 
uh, after hybridization in order to read and reading or the interpretation of results is by colorimetry. And our test kit here has a built-in DNA extraction phase also. So it uh, eliminates uh, buying uh, commercial DNA extraction kits uh, because the test kit itself is already complete with its own DNA extraction buffers and washers. So for the colorimetry interpretation, we have found that uh, there are two groups for the blood and for the meat. The strong positive result will show a wine red color, while the weak is uh, rose red. No? Uh, but for the negative, it should be in the different ranges of gray. That is for the blood and for the meat, because we also examined uh, frozen, fresh, and processed meat, especially from canned meat. No? And the uh, nanogold uh, biosensor test kit was able to detect the virus from canned meat or processed meat. Now, we also examined its ability to detect the ASF virus from environmental surface swabs and water. But the reading will be opposite. The gray color will show the positive color while the red wine shows the negative color. Now, for the analytical sens sensitivity of blood and tissue samples, we can see here the range. So zero is the, uh, uh, the stock solution or the, 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 the pure concentrated uh, DNA no? uh, extract. And this was serially diluted, and we can see that it ranges from uh, uh, red up to the gray color, and the lowest detection is at 10 to the negative 4, which is still a pinkish color, but that is a weak positive. Okay. And this is uh, this colorimetric uh, interpretation is applicable for blood and tissue samples only. Now, for the analytical specificity, we can see that for AS uh, for CSF or hug cholera, PRRS for swine influenza virus and rotavirus, all of these showed negative result using the our ASF uh, nanogold biosensor test kit. But for the blood and the tissue samples that are positive for ASF, they showed the expected red color. Now this table shows the diagnostic validation of our test kit with real-time PCR. And you can see here that uh, we examined the versatility using surface swab, water, fresh meat, processed meat, and whole blood. And you can see the equivalent accuracy, percent accuracy of the test kit, the sensitivity, and the specificity. I will not go into details anymore. Just uh, look at the slide. Now, this one is uh, when we compared the environmental surface swab using the test kit and the lamp, okay? So we also did uh, ordinary lamp, you know, the wet lamp. Uh, we did not uh, combine that with the gold nanoparticles anymore. So between the two, the novel or the new developed uh, test kit, which is called the Nanogold Biosensor Test Kit, we pitted that against 
the wet lamp for ASF. Okay, so, and we found out that the biosensor test kit has 95% sensitivity and 75% specificity. Now, this one, we also compared the nanogold biosensor with that of the wet lamp using water, water samples, because we know that we have, it is already proven that the virus survives in water. So that's why there is always an outbreak when there are lots of flooding. Okay. So here, uh, we found out that the test kit has a 94% sensitivity and 79% specificity with that of lamp. And we were not, uh, we were not happy by just uh, doing the assays. We also sent the positive uh, samples for gene sequencing. And uh, here you can see that the spleen, the blood, the surface swabs, the water, and the feces, they were all, uh, oh, they were all exactly uh, showing or uh, demonstrating the gene sequence of P72 ASF. So this is how the ASF test kit looks like after we assembled it from the optimized laboratory workflow. So our company, Tech, uh, Technology Enterprise, it pioneers in the commercialization of Philippine-made rapid test kits for transboundary animal diseases. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you, Dr. Domingo. And we already got that question from our attendees. So I will be responsible for reading out and Dr. Domingo, maybe you can check the questionnaire box here. So it's our Q&A session now. So the first question from the Q&A box, um, they say, Dr. Domingo, many thanks for your sharing. One question about the animal disease screening, the quantitative results are sufficient for the severance instead of quantitative results. What kind of standard or protocol you comply? Thanks. Okay. So here, uh, we use qualitative. Although, of course, uh, that is for screening, if you, especially if you are in the field. But for, because supposedly the tests are for screening. So for those that become positive in the colorimetry, then you have to uh, do further confirmation using quantitative. But of course, if there is a possibility that there is an equipment that we can bring in the field that instead of relying on the colors and uh, we can already see the, you know, the cutoff uh, values or the cycling values, then that would be better. Okay, thank you. Another question in the Q&A box. Hi, Dr. Domingo, thanks for your sharing. So basically, most of the kits you develop are based on colometric method, but the result could be subjective and may be affected by some factors like environmental issues. So will that be a problem? Okay, so remember that lamp is robust and it's not uh, affected by, uh, con uh, let's say, what do you call that? Uh, it's robust and it's not very, uh, it's not so much affected by, you know, uh, I forgot the term, <laughs> the, not contaminants, but rather uh, interferences, no? And so, uh, so the lamp actually is, 
supposedly a screening test. And so, uh, I'm sorry, I think my battery is already uh, low. I'll just, <laughs> wait, I will just switch. connect my laptop. Yeah, okay. So, so for, for in that case, uh, being a screening test, then you can use that as a guide. So, if you find, for instance, positive, you will, you should just remember that there, there are two kinds of tests. The screening and the confirmatory. So, the screening will be a guide, particularly if you want to check the biosecurity of your farm before you reload new stocks. So, you can check using the test kit to determine if you did a very good uh, disinfection activity for for your farm. So the test kits are not only for live animals, but also for inanimate objects. So that's why it's very versatile. Now, if you are dealing with live animals, then it's very important that you have two subjects after uh, checking using the screening, then you have to get a confirmatory result from a diagnostic test. So all of my tests are just for screening. Okay, okay, thank you. So another question in the chat box. Um, there are also lots of questions in the chat box. Uh, this question said that how to prepare dried method, how to store the reagent, what is the shape like for reagents in dried method? Okay, for the dry, uh, usually we uh, do air dry. After mixing the premix, we place that on the inner lid of the uh, PCR tube and then dry it. And then usually the dry format when you transport, it does not need any cold storage anymore. So it's very good. And uh, the shelf life is usually, it takes one year. But for the wet, of course, you really need to put the, the premix in the freezer because it has, uh, it contains enzymes. So we don't like to sell the enzymes and the primers to self anneal. Okay, so that's why we need a cold storage. But for the dry format, uh, you don't need. You What you need is a silica gel to <laughs> when you store them so that there will be no, uh, what's this, uh, moisture. Okay, thank you for your answering. And another question here, is there a difference in sensitivity using lamp visual versus Lamp UV. This um, this also try a pH indicator. Uh, let, let me repeat the question again. Yes, Is there yes. insensitivity uh, using lamp visual versus lamp UV, the UV light? I think. Did you also try a pH indicator? Mm, okay. For the lamp UV, you know, uh, when you develop a test kit and you want to use that in the, uh, let's say in the field, it's, uh, well, if you have a UV, uh, UV lamp to examine the, the colors, you know, UV lamp to examine the colors, in the wet, uh, by the way, in the wet uh, format, what we did instead of uh, bringing a big UV lamp, we used the counterfeit bill detector. Do you know that the blue blue lamp? If you want to know if the, your bills, paper bills, are counterfeit, you check that under the blue light, right? Blue lamp. Okay. Oh, that's that can be used. You just. Uh, Put the tubes and uh, allow the light to shine on it. And if it turns green, then that is positive. 
So as much as possible, when you try to um, develop a test kit, make it very easy, uh, handy, instead of, uh, you know, bringing too many equipments along with you. So for no, we did not uh, do any pH indicator anymore. We just, uh, uh, what's this? Uh, dependent. We were dependent on the change in color. But if you have a gel documentary or documentation uh, apparatus, you can check for the turbidity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, turbidity. The cloudiness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So another question here, I think, is the uh, last question we in the our Q and A section. Um, they say, can we do multiplexing here so that we can detect housekeeping gene and target gene in a single tube? Okay, so we have tried that, but it's very difficult. You know, uh, if you design lamp primers, you need um, uh, you need a program for that, and uh, or an application for that you know and if you do multiplexing it's um, i think it is more complex it is more difficult because in the first place lamp primers require uh two to three pairs so it means around six uh sequences no? so if you still add more to detect other <laughs> other uh, target genes, it will be very difficult. What you can do, uh, multiplex is better for PC PCR. PCR platforms instead of, so we have multiplex PCR, no? instead of multiplex uh, lamp. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your answering. I think that's almost everything what we have today. Thank you, Dr. Domingo, again. Thanks for your sharing, presentation, and Q&A session. It's very insightful discussion here. So thank you, everyone, today. Webinar will be posted on YouTube, Spotify, and podcast. Welcome to follow us on these platforms. Do not forget to fill out our questionnaire after the webinar. Your opinion is very important for us. So thank you so much for Dr. Domingo sharing with us today. And thank you all for participating in the webinar today. See you next time.